The older I get, the less competent I'm trying to become. This is where you smile, chortle, chuckle, just a little bit, smile. Okay. Okay. The more experience I gain, the less advice I'm trying to give. The more skills and talents I obtain, the less necessary I'm trying to become. You're here today for the third in a series of sermons on relationships, our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. And I have this intriguing sermon topic, don't you love this, de-triangling here for you. Um, for those of us who overfunction, like I do, this could also be subtitled, The Importance of Impotence. These are, this... Uh, for those of you who underfunction, who do too little, this could be subtitled, Step Up to the Challenge, okay? Um, for those of us who overfunction, it could also be subtitled, It Takes a Lot of Smarts in Order to Be Stupid. And for you underfunctioners, uh, cut off doesn't work. So, what's a triangle? It's this that a person will come to you with their problem and they'll try to make it your problem. Are, are you getting this? There's, there's three sides here and it's really their thing, but they want to give you the responsibility for their problem. Um, as an over-functioning person, early in my ministry, a homeless uh, woman came to our church, St. John's, when I was associate pastor there, and I put her up in a house that we used for some continuing education, Bible study, kinds of things like that. That did not go over well after about a week or so uh, in the church because we didn't have any support systems in place and I just was trying to save her all by myself. All right. Uh, also in dealing with the homeless, uh, sometimes I have been way under-functioning. I've tried to do too little. I, the person that's just down here at Loop 360 in BK Road, you know, I just pretend she doesn't exist. I ignore her. I just cut her off. I don't see her. I know, do, do any of you re resonate with any of this? What I'm saying about doing too much, doing too little. Nobody's perfectly in the middle when it comes to dealing with other people and their problems. Except maybe Jesus here. <laughs> Jesus is uh, set up. These uh, spies come trying to entrap him, trying to get him to take sides and make him part of the problem. And they say, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? I know you've always heard this as a stewardship sermon, but I want you to hear it about relationships. And Jesus does a wonderful thing. He doesn't give them an answer <laughs> immediately. He pauses, and he has a wonderful way of turning it around and putting the responsibility back on them. You see, if he answers, yeah, you should pay taxes to Caesar, all of the common folk, they're being oppressed by the Roman army and they say, well, you're against us, Jesus. And if he says, uh, no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, then he's against the Roman authorities and all those rulers and he's just made himself an insurrectionist and he's about to lose his head. So what does he do? He says, show me a coin. Whose image is on the coin? Yep. And then he says, render to Caesar. I love that old phrasing. Render to Caesar, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. 
he puts the responsibility back upon those that try to entrap him in their problem. Jesus was good at this, at de-triangling. There's a perfect example. Here, here's another example. Some of you may have heard this story in John's Gospel. Jesus is there, and a woman is caught in the very act of adultery. They bring her to Jesus. Uh, Master, this woman, she's done wrong, and by our law, we should stone her to death. And what do you say? And do you remember this story? Any of y'all remember this story? Again, he pauses, he pulls back. He's writing in the sand. I've always wondered what he was writing there in the dust. Don't you? What was he writing there? And he says, um, what does he say there? He says, uh, let you who's without sin cast the first stone. He puts it back on them. And one by one, they slink away. And Jesus looks up after he's done some more writing. And he says, Where are those who condemn you? Is there no one left to condemn you? No, no one, she says. And he says, neither do I. He puts responsibility back where it belongs and he doesn't take it for himself. I suspect most of you are like me. We do too much. We over-function. I mean, we Christians, we, we we, we see somebody vulnerable, hurting, Someone who has a problem, I mean, to misquote Will Rogers, you know, I never met a, a need I didn't like, right? You know, I just get sucked into that so quickly. Maybe you can nod with me if any of this fits you. Uh, you're prone to give advice. You do things for others they could do for themselves. I'm getting some nods, okay, yeah. Um, you have goals for others that they could uh, have for themselves. You worry a lot. Yeah. From time to time, you'll suffer periodic, sudden burnout. (coughs) You just crash. You know what's best for others. You're quick to move in to rescue. Now, some of you, and, and, and myself at times, I will tend to underfunction. I will do too little. I've already given you some examples. You can pretend that the problem doesn't exist. Or you can blame those who are in trouble and make them bad and distance yourself from them. You can practice cut-off behavior. Reflect for just a moment. Where are you in the triangles here? I mean, I play both sides of that, (laughs) doing too much and too little at times. I was tempted to give you advice, but I'm not going to. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, underfunctioning. In those times when I underfunction, what I have to do is to choose a courageous act and then carry it through. And from time to time, I will do that. I'll, in fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've, I've kind of uh, boosted myself and made new connections with two different groups that I never thought I would do before. I was pretty proud of myself. It's always a good thing to be connected to your families, whether you do too much or too little. And so three weeks ago, I wasn't here with you in worship. I was at the Barton Family Reunion trying to figure out who I was in relationship to those wonderful, crazy people called my family. 
And you see, when I go there, they still call me Parco because that's my, I couldn't pronounce my middle name as a little child. My middle name is Parker. And so I go there, and I don't care that I'm 62. They go, hey, Parco. I'm, you know, I'm grown up now, okay? Let me, you know, so, but we're, we're all, I mean, I don't care how old you are. You're still trying to figure out who you are in relationship to your family, especially your family of origin. It is a good thing to do. I'm, I'm doing that. For those of us uh, who overdo, who overfunction, here are some words uh, that I learned in a class, and I'll tell you how I'm progressing and dealing with some of this stuff. Um, I'm trying to get out of the role of being the expert. Reverend, Dr. Barton. So we have Disciple Bible Study. It's starting tonight. Still have a couple of openings, have about 10 students, but you're welcome to come if you want to come 4.30 tonight. In Disciple Bible Study, here's what happens. People will turn to me and they say, and what's the answer, Lynn? You know, give us, give us the truth. Tell us the gospel. And what I'll do, and, and people hate this when I do it. They'll say, I'll, I'll go like this. What do you think? No, no, tell us the answer. No, what do you think? You see the triangle that I'm, I'm breaking up there? Some of you have been with me. You didn't like that. I know you didn't. Yeah. I'm learning to become puzzled and confused. It's, it, the older I get, it's not, you know, it's not that much of a stretch for me anymore. But... Uh, sometimes I can be playful and, uh, and uh, you know, just a little bit uh, incompetent. Um, I know in certain church meetings, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. I'm trying to talk less, listen more, instead of just jump in with my answers and tell everybody how it should be. If you notice in my preaching, I'm becoming more vulnerable. I'm showing you how I'm not yet complete, how God's not done with me yet, even this morning. One of the things I'm doing right now, even as I'm preaching, is I'm trying to lower my anxiety just one notch. <laughs> so this uh, guru in family systems that I've been following, Edwin Friedman, he used to talk about becoming a non-anxious presence. I've never achieved that. <laughs> but my teacher of this past year, Doug Hester, said, instead of being a non-anxious presence, Simply be a less anxious present. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Just one step below where I ordinarily would be. Maybe one step below where you are too. I've been trying to practice some of these things. I'm trying to do what Jesus does too here about waiting. Did you notice that? In both of those stories, he didn't immediately answer. He had this, this holy pause built in where he could consider his response and put the responsibility back on those people who questioned him. I, it's really hard for me to do this, for me to let other people muddle through and wait for them to come to their own answers when I know what's best for them. <laughs> In my family systems class, our teacher Doug was telling us about this wonderful Jewish concept and I can't pronounce this Jewish word. Maybe you can help me, Lisa, because it's simsum, 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 the accents on the second syllable, simsum. And you're saying, what does this have to do with us? It's God's contracting God's self in creation. It's God shriveling, withdrawing, becoming a little less powerful in creation. You say, why would God do that? In order to leave the choice with us. 
so that we would take responsibility for our own actions. I, I just hate that. When God made me do this or God did that to me, it's, it's sometimes, friends, us. <laughs> we have to own the responsibility. This shriveling of God in creation. Creating space for us to make our own choices, our own mistakes and our own celebrations that we have. So back to the homeless thing. There's some beautiful examples of how we are detriangling in this congregation. One of them's happening even as I speak. There are folks that are right now transforming our Sunday school classrooms into space for homeless folks who are going to live with us this week as a part of the Interfaith Hospitality Network, which is underneath the umbrella of the Foundation for the Homeless. It's just beautiful. Do you see that? It's about relationships. It's not just about handing somebody money, you know, or ignoring somebody, but saying, how can we be in relationship with you? How can we help you take some next steps towards becoming sustainable on your own? I love that. I know we have Mobile Loves and Fishes and Community First does that same kind of thing. I know that the, we started another Habitat house just yesterday, building the wall sections, the very same kind of model where we engage with people and have this detriangled relationship. I hope you can find your own identity here, that you can rest in the arms of God, knowing that God has allowed you space in order to, uh, to make mistakes and to be forgiven and also to make wonderful choices for God and, and to celebrate. I, I'm going to close with just one more story because I, I want to talk about Janet Roper, who in the midst of her kidney transplant was really just non-anxious. We, we've talked about her and we had prayers for her and, and she waited and waited and she, she was connected with her family and she's trying to find a donor and... And she found a donor in her family, her niece. Her niece, Tracy, proved to be a great match for her. I, I got to be there early Thursday morning with the family. Tracy in one room, they had a suite, and on the other side was, was Janet waiting for her kidney and praying with, with both sets over here. And looking at the donor, Tracy, she was beaming. Her face was beaming. And, and visiting with her, she would say something like, this, this is no problem for me. I'm not anxious about this at all. She said, I've been called by God to do this. And then that just lets Janet release and say, oh, I, I don't have any guilt about receiving this kidney and putting her at risk. And she has three little children. And, but God is in the midst of that. God creates that kind of space for us. I say to you, go to be detriangled. <laughs> That's what God intends for you. That's the good news I have to share this day. Amen.